it's so easy to come up with non-negotiables for relationships and be like, oh, well, if he doesn't, you know, treat me like this or if she doesn't do this or if, you know, they have these non-negotiables when it comes to a relationship, but when it comes to their own career and their own business, they have no non-negotiables, which for me is just crazy because they're your non-negotiables. You shouldn't let somebody talk down to you all the time. So why would you let an employer continue to talk down to you? Yeah. And I just really am so interested in the different dynamics of a business relationship and a personal relationship because they're essentially the same. You Honestly, know, yeah. you have a value where you want to be valued as a person. You want people to respect you. You want, you know, you want your hard work to be rewarded or even just acknowledged. If you want that in a personal relationship, that should then transfer into a corporate relationship. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well-equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, Balancers, and welcome back to episode 49 of the Balance Theory podcast. If this is your first time tuning in or joining the community, a warm welcome to you. If not, welcome back. I'm really excited because I'm sort of at this point in my podcasting journey where I can get on guests for a second time, which means that we can really start to build those connections with not only our guests, but our community, because there's a little bit of repetition, familiarity, people already getting a feel for the type of guests we're having on. And I get to have double conversations with some of the most incredible people in this world. So today's guest is Hayley Westerby. She was on episode 22. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to that one yet, that was towards the end of 2020 last year. And so much has happened with Hayley since we last spoke. So I'm really excited to be diving into that today. But before I talk a little bit about what the episode today will be going into, I just wanted to share um, another awesome review I got. And guys, honestly, when I get these, they make my day. Whether you guys reach out to me personally on Instagram or whether you do take the time to write and leave a review and rating, It means the absolute world. And especially because we're an independent podcast, every little review counts. So thank you so, so much. This one is from (laughs) big fan, one, two, three, triple zero, fantastic podcast with topics that really resonate with what we're all going through right now. Really well thought out and articulated by Erica with amazing guests she has on her show. The mindfulness episodes with Tom are one of my favorites. Thank you. So thank you to big fan one, two, three, triple zero. And I was actually really happy that I saw this review because we have gotten a lot of incredible feedback about the mindfulness episodes with Tom, which if you haven't tuned in, I normally post them on the same week as the Monday Muse. So it's just a quick, generally under 10 minute meditation that you can utilize, you can save, you can come back to it. They're normally quite short. So for those people who think I don't have time, it's just less than 10 minutes so you can definitely make time to check it out but yeah they've been great so thank you to Tom as well and thank you to everyone who's left a review now on to today's chat the power of your personal brand non-negotiables of life and challenging limiting beliefs so if you did maybe see the episode I did with my sister Sonia on personal branding and you're still in that park of people that think you don't need a personal brand because you don't have a business well you need to absolutely think again today we re-go over this topic with Haley, who is a founder and director of Haley Westerby Marketing, which is a company she set up in the last year. So, so exciting, which basically is about 
promoting physical and virtual experiences to life for all types of businesses and really getting to the essence and core of branding. And so today we do do a deep dive into this concept again and what it can teach us about our own balance as well as really helping us to find our own values and core pillars. Now, I want you guys to remember that when we're talking about concepts like balance, setting boundaries, non-negotiables, these sorts of things, if you haven't undertaken a basic exercise to sort of work out what your baseline is, the things you care about, what imp- what's important to you, what aligns with your goals, those sorts of basic things that give you a rough idea of where you're sitting. It's really hard to actually paint a picture of what these more macro, you know, like setting boundaries, what those sorts of things look like if you don't know what they're protecting, if you don't know what they correspond to, which is why I harp on about why the concept of personal branding is so important in and amongst this concept. So that is something we do a deep dive into today. And of course, what that can teach you about your non-negotiables, dealing with your inner critic and so much more that Haley speaks about today. Speaking of non-negotiables, actually, we're really quick to define what these are in a relationship. So think of like when you've been in a relationship, like I'm sure you could easily spit out three to five non-negotiables you have with a partner, for example. But what about with, say, your job or your career? Are you quick to also define those or do you sort of just settle for whatever the job that lands in your lap is? So that's another interesting thing we talk about and how we can kind of cross check what our non-negotiables or our core beliefs or things that we are just not prepared to settle on are when looking across the different areas of life. We also talk a little bit about limiting beliefs and how we can rewire those. And Haley also shares a little bit about her business and their mission and all the things she's been up to since we last spoke. So for those of you who don't know Haley, or maybe have just been introduced to her via the podcast outside of her work, she is really, really big in the health and fitness space. And she genuinely loves to help people bring out the healthiest and happiest versions of themselves. So she does a lot of work online now, predominantly because of COVID, um, but in general within the fitness space, which is really awesome and where we connected as well. One last thing before we dive in. So Haley is running some free live workshops on personal branding, and it will touch on a lot of what we talk about today. So keep that in mind as we go through the episode. And if it is something you're interested in, or if you want to just scroll down through the show notes now, I've popped links to those. You can register. One will be tomorrow and one will be next Tuesday. That is, of course, if you're listening to this live as it drops on Monday. And there's also links to her social media there. If you guys love this episode, please share it with a loved one or pop it on your story, tag both me and Hayley and let us know what your biggest takeaways were. It helps us continue bringing you the same sort of content or just engage with you guys on a deeper level. Enjoy and let's dive straight in. Today, I'm rejoined by one of my dear friends, Hayley Westerby. Welcome back to the Balance Theory Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be back. It is. It is. The last time we spoke was back in December of 2020. And so I want to know what's, what's new with you for people who tuned into that episode, haven't been following you. What, what have you been up to? That seems like a lifetime ago, December 2020, and it's only like six months. That's terrifying. Um, Back in the day where we could actually visit one another in person, I think that that um, is really sad that we're back down in lockdown. But um, there's a lot that's changed for me. Um, Just after December, I actually finished a full-time contract with um, a large company that I was working with. And there was a couple of things that kind of happened, but then eventually... um, decided to start my own business terrifying um all of the emotions and we love yeah, it so that's kind so of, excited. That, yeah that's the biggest change that's kind of happened so it's kind of been just over four months now running um my own business um which is yeah it's all of the emotions it's one big giant emotional roller coaster um but I'm so glad that I've done it and if you told me in December 2020 when we last spoke that I would be here today talking about the fact that I have my own business 
I would not have believed you. Oh, I love that. And I always say like running your own business is like constantly putting out fires and not knowing what a fire is. That's honestly what it feels like. (laughs) Do you know what? It's funny because, you know, I've always been quite business mind, like minded, you know, for a lot of the roles that I've been in, they've always been like somewhat of a sales role or, a you know, business development role and things like that. But, you know, I think the hardest thing for me has been understanding taxes, superannuation, um, you know, the structure of finances and HR and all of those roles that I've never, ever had to play before in a business but now have to kind of after business hours. Um, I always say like seven o'clock comes and I turn into like the head of HR and the head of finance and I process all of the finance things. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I'm learning so much. So yeah, it's, it's definitely been a roller coaster. that's for sure. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I love the work you're doing. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what your brand actually does? Yeah, absolutely. So um, fundamentally, we're a business that helps brands um, and businesses and people um, bring to life experiences. So whether that is an experience with their website, whether that is an experience um, in the form of a uh, virtual or, you know, in-person event, whether that is an experience in terms of how people interact with their brand or their, you know, um, offering, um, but all the way through to um, a personal brand as well. So building others Uh, people's brands essentially up and the experience that people have when they interact with, you know, their website or their Instagram or their social media and things like that. So essentially the whole business is um, founded around um, capitalising on experiences and putting experience at the heart of everything that we do. So, yeah, lots of different things. There are no two days that are the same. I've got clients from hairdressers to active wear brands to, um, animal pharmaceutical businesses through to senior leaders in, you know, global advertising agencies. So, you know, there's really no limit on who we work with or what we work on. Um, but fundamentally, it's all around ensuring that that experience, whether it's a personal experience, a business experience or a branded experience is at the centre of everything that we do. Love that. And how have you found with obviously the challenge and lockdown being thrown into the mix How have you found that for businesses in creating experiences? Because I know a lot of um, brands do like to run, you know, events or sponsor different things and show up and do like little, you know, interactive things like that. How have you found the event of lockdown in terms of that? Have you found brands have been, you've had to be quite innovative. Have you found that like people are craving more connection? So there's more of an openness to different things. Like how has that sort of played out in your experience with it all? Look, I think experiences have such a broad definition and I think that a lot of people can immediately think of those, you know, tangible experiences like events and sponsorship um, moments. Um, But experiences can be as little as looking at a website and making sure that we're optimising it so that a customer experience when they land on it actually allows them to convert without any friction. Um, An experience could be um, when someone lands on your LinkedIn are they seeing you for what you have to offer or are they seeing you um, and a kind of diluted version of yourself because you're not actually creating the content on your LinkedIn to put or put you or position you in your best light? So I think that experiences actually has a far more broad term um, and I, or a definition and I think that um, for COVID, for example, you know, yes, physical experiences are limited, but there are so many ways that we can work around it. You know, virtual events are still creating a space where people can come and learn 
be brought together by a common um, interest or, you know, a common passion point. And I think that virtual events will always stay even post-COVID because, you know, when we were out of lockdown, I was doing a number of hybrid events where we had people there in person. But also, you know, we then were able to open it up virtually to Australia, New Zealand, the rest of the world for people to join um, and still take part in that experience, but not actually have to be in Sydney to do it. So I think that um, those virtual experiences will always have a place um, post-COVID, post-lockdown, et cetera. But I think that, yeah, the experiences that that we're creating aren't necessarily in person. So we haven't really seen too much of kind of a, I suppose, drop off um, in terms of work because those experiences can exist absolutely everywhere. If you think of yourself as a brand or you think of a business as a brand, any single touch point that that brand interacts with a customer or a potential customer is an experience. So we make sure that we look after that whole suite of experiences for all of our clients. Nice. And I suppose that's the beautiful advent of the internet. That's the the great offering it has. Um, But if we go a little bit deeper now into the concept of personal branding. Now, I had my sister on who you've met, you know, kind of the work she does as well. She was on maybe a month or so ago in June and we kind of did a big deep dive into this concept of personal branding and so many people loved the episode and I know it was so useful. And so I'm really excited that we're also chatting about it today. So I want to know in your opinion, why is personal branding important in the, in the lens of balance? You know, like what can it teach us about our own balance? Because I think like a lot of people get turned off with the word branding. They think, oh, well, I don't have a business or I'm not an influencer, you know, all these things without realizing that our personalities in essence are our brand, you know, with, without commercializing and boxing it in, it is sort of like that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think um, for me, the best way to put it is that, you know, when we finish talking, what's that feeling that you're left with once we're finished talking? That's a personal brand. You know, how you interact with people is your personal brand. What content you're sharing is a personal brand. So you can be a junior account executive, you can be a really senior managing director or CEO of a business, and a personal brand is still relevant. And the reason that I think personal brand is the most important is because people don't buy from logos. They don't buy from a color palette. They don't buy from, oh my gosh, it's Apple. They buy from the people that represent that brand, right? So Steve Jobs, all of the people that work at Apple, you know, the people that have Apple products, they are people that embrace a certain sense of lifestyle, embrace a certain sense of creativity, embrace that certain sense of coolness for example right so they're not buying into a brand they're buying into the people right and if you look at it if I use my own um you know I suppose example you know I've worked for so many big agencies right people don't or clients don't come because of the big agency they come because of the people in the agency Mm. the people that are working on the work and delivering the work and each of those people will have individual unique personal brands that contribute to that client wanting to work with them so if you don't build on that personal brand you're not really giving anyone a reason why to work with you. So for me, you know, the successes that I've had have come through my own personal brand, who I am, what I stand for. What feeling do I want to leave people with when we finish talking? 
Mm. You know, how do I want to be perceived? How, what do I want people to say about me when I leave a room? You know, I think they're all really important factors. And I think that at the end of the day, any business is a people business. You know, you're either servicing people, you are working with people or the people are working for you. And I think that if those individuals don't highlight their own brands or build their own brands, they become just like a cog in the machine, right? And there's no value being added for a business. So for me, personal brand allows me to see, especially if I'm hiring somebody or anything like that, allows me to see the value that you bring to the business that isn't just your skill set. Yeah. And do you think that this is limited to just, say, a business slash work setting, so the value you have to give in terms of a work environment, or do you think it extends beyond that in terms of, like, the value we have to give to relationships and, you know, our health and fitness, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a personal brand is relevant for anybody, right, whether you're in a corporate setting, a fitness setting. I think, you know, you look at, for example, the landscape of personal trainers, Every personal trainer is different. Every personal trainer has their own approach. 90% of them probably would have done the same course Mm. or 100% of them have done their cert three and four, right? Yeah, every single person is a different PT. And the reason their clients choose to work with them versus anyone else that knows exactly what they do is because of them, not the fact that they're a PT. So I think the biggest thing is, Anybody can do your job. Anyone can go to university and learn the skills that you've learned. Anybody can go and experience, you know, build experience in an agency or in a corporate setting. Anyone can go and do thousands of hours of PT experience. But it's what you bring to that, your own personality, your own likes, dislikes, opinions, etc., that makes you you and that makes people want to continue working with you. Absolutely. And the reason I really love this concept is because it really takes a step away from, say, labels, which are like, you're a PT, you're a lawyer, you're a dentist. And it kind of gives you the the power to own all aspects of your personality. So again, like what you're saying, your likes and your dislikes, the vibes you give to people, you know, what people say about you when you leave the room, all those things that you said that really have nothing to do with what you do. It's more about who you are. And that's, and I really like that we're talking about this because as I mentioned before, like the concept of a personal brand, I think people get turned off because it sounds very like businessy in ways. Do you know what I'm saying? Like people think, oh, I don't need a brand because I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't have a business, et cetera. But this really is a nutshell for just expressing who you are. It's just a a kind of capsule for all the things that make you who you are. So how do we actually then pay attention to or curate even our personal brand? Is it something that we have to kind of consciously orchestrate or is it more organic and sort of just a byproduct of how how and who we are? I think it depends. I think, um, I mean, I work with clients every single day in terms of building their personal brand. So For me, it's something that can come naturally um, and will come naturally in part in terms of the interactions that you have with people. You know, you're not going to sit there and be like, okay, I want Erica to think that I am a friendly person and therefore I'm going to put this. It's not a robotic approach like that. It is, you know, it needs to be kind of half-half. There is that organic element where you are you. That is what makes you you. There's no kind of curating of who you are personally. Yeah. But I definitely think there um, is a lens in terms of how you cre- create that and curate your own personal brand to ensure that you are hitting those key messages 
that you as a personal brand want to hit. So, for example, um, you know, if I take my own personal brand, for example, one of my core values when it comes to my personal brand is helping people, right? So helping people, helping businesses, you know, help shape future marketers. That, that's my core, one of my core values when it comes to my personal brand is um, helping. And now if I have that as a core pillar or a core, um, I suppose, message as part of my brand or my personal brand, I'm going to make sure that some of the stuff that I'm doing in my career, in my personal life is helping, right? And that's not because I'm like, oh, I want to be seen as a helpful person. That has always been a fundamental reason as to why I do what I do is to help people. So whether that's running free live workouts in the morning for people during lockdown, whether that is, you know, being part of a mentor program um, to help up-and-coming uni students um, understand the marketing landscape a little bit more, whether that is helping a former colleague with her career growth plan, like whatever it is, I want to be able to, one of my key pillars is for people to be able to turn around and go, she was really helpful, right? Right. And I think that the moment that someone turns around and goes, well, Hayley wasn't very helpful, I'm failing at that personal brand pillar. And so that's something that I always keep in the top of my mind. I have them written on my wall on my desk. Like that's one of my pillars is helping. And I think that when it comes to that, you can definitely look at curating the content that you're producing or the work that you're involved in Mm. based on that pillar. The same as if a pillar was leadership, for example, you know, how can you create content that is focused around that pillar doesn't necessarily mean that you're typing like a robot and saying leadership is blah, blah, blah. You can take examples of, you know, news articles or book snippets that you've read that you really like that you can then create your own content and share that back with the world. And that allows you to then also hit that that pillar. So I think that in answer to your question, I think that it's a bit of both. I think that you obviously have, you know, certain people have more original personality and some people need a little bit more work in terms of curating that so I think that it's a bit of you know a balance um, I suppose when it comes to that Um, but yeah I think that definitely it's a little bit of both in order to kind of hit that sweet spot yeah absolutely so talk to me a little bit more about that process of actually identifying your pillars so let's just say we've got anybody listening right now who let's not talk about business because obviously that's the incredible work that you and your team do Um, but if we're talking about someone sitting here listening going okay I understand how a personal brand has a key role to play in and amongst my balance what is the process that you went through to identify your own pillars because I really like that because it really is about like uncovering the foundation on which you stand, which basically gives you your why for things that you do. And I think in the process of identifying this, it's almost like a fallback. So when you're questioning whether you want to make that change in your life or questioning whether something you're doing right now is really right for you or not, this could be like a really strong base to turn back to. So I'm very curious to know, I guess, how you uncover those pillars for yourself personally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... I mean, I do it personally, as I said, with with my clients. We do a big workshop um, and I am um, offering a free workshop um, for those that do want to attend on August 10th and 17th um, to ask any questions. It's an actionable workshop where I essentially want people to... um, 
take out of it as much as they can to be able to action everything off the back of it because I think that there is no better time to work on your personal brand than in lockdown, right? We're not going out on the weekends. We don't have all of those social schedules. So why not work on building your own personal brand um, in lockdown so that when you come out of it, you can benefit and reap the rewards from having that that boost in a personal brand. So I'll leave the link on wherever you're going to leave it. But um, pop it in the show yeah, feel free to um, jump on that and I can help people build um, their own personal brands. But I think in terms of identifying those key pillars, for me, it's really about creating those A, non-negotiables, right? What what are those things that you must have? What are those things? And I think non-negotiables are essential whether you're working for yourself, whether you're working for a business, whatever it is. Non-negotiables are I do not want to work for somebody that doesn't appreciate me or doesn't your value barriers. me. Yeah. They're your barriers, right? Like your non-negotiable may be that you don't want to work for someone that, you know, doesn't value people, for example, right? Once you have those non-negotiables, then you can kind of go into going, okay, what are the things that a lot of people say about me, right? Because I think that if a lot of people are saying, oh, Hayley was super helpful, you know, Hayley's really positive, Hayley's, you know, all of those things can help give you an indication on what things you may already be. Yeah, right? and just a so, quick, quick little caveat. That's not what you think people think about you. It's direct yeah. feedback, <laughs> direct feedback totally. you've actually received. Totally. And I don't know if anyone else does this, but I, I personally have in my email folder, um, you know, a folder which says lovely emails. I and every, that time, too. Yeah, <laughs> every time I get a nice email from a client or whatever, I pop it in there and I print them out at the end of each month or each year or whatever. And I go through them because when I have a bad day, I go through them and I'm like, oh, I am good at my job. Like all yeah. of these people are saying that I'm, I'm good at what I do and I'm friendly and I'm helpful and all of these things. So I think that the first point I would say is, you know, write a list of all of the kind of direct feedback that you've had in terms of positive feedback, helpful, organised, on time, whatever those words are, and then kind of go through and go, okay, what do I offer a business? Like if you were to say, if you were going for a job interview in your particular role, whether that's a vet, whether it's a hairdresser, whether it's a PT, if you're going for an interview and they say, what are the three things that you can bring to this business? Write those things down Mm. because those three things are going to be your core pillars on top of, you know, anything else that people may have given you in terms of direct feedback, but they are your key pieces of insight in terms of what you offer as a person that is not your skill set. So I'm not going to turn around and be like, well, I'm really good at Outlook, right? Because that's a skill that I have. It's not necessarily the value that I bring to a business. So, you know, the three things may be that I have great time management or great stakeholder management, you know. And then from those three things, you can kind of delineate all of the different things that come from that in terms of how you talk to those things. So, you know, if we look at a cafe owner, for example, right, they may say that they put their clients first, their customers first, always, that becomes a core pillar. Then any content around customers first, it might be a nice piece of customer feedback that they post. It might be um, an article around why putting your customers at the centre of your business is so important. All of these different things can then trickle out of that kind of key pillar. And I think that then that's when you kind of start to build that web of what you are as a personal brand and defining what you are. And then once you've defined those things, what I would suggest is then 
literally just brain dump underneath all of the different content pieces that you could create or ideas that you could either repurpose or create um, that talk to each of those pillars. So as I said before, you know, a piece of um, positive customer feedback that you can then reshare on your, your page, on your website, you know, as part of your Instagram, whatever it is. So I think that, yeah, it kind of is a step-by-step process in terms of building that out. But then once you have those key pillars, you constantly can build on them. And then you're also heightened. You've got that heightened sense of awareness of like, if you read an article around customer care, you then may want to share it or post about it and be like, I thought this was great. Like the one thing I want to reiterate is there's no such thing as original content. And people may shoot me for saying that, but there is no such thing. If someone posts something five years ago, you reshare it or repurpose it and recreate it and take inspiration from that and write an article, that's not their original content. That's now your content. So there's a lot of like people going, oh, they copied my content. It's like, well, they can. If they've done it themselves, if they've recorded it themselves, if they've written it themselves, they can. So I think that, um, yeah, no such thing as original content. You can take inspiration from absolutely anywhere. And I think that, yeah, it's so important to just kind of continue to stay inspired. You cannot create content without consuming them. Yep. Just a quick word from the sponsor of today's podcast. If you haven't paid any attention to the quality of your gym accessories or feel like the ones you have kill your vibe just a little, then this is for you. ESFit is a brand I've co-founded with my best friend to bring all fitness lovers the confidence to sweat in style. I'm talking considered luxe fitness accessories, ranging from cotton bands that don't roll or dig to full-size sweat towels that cover you from head to toe and actually don't take up all the space in your bag. The list goes on, but you can check it all out for yourself at esfit.com.au or on Instagram at esfit double underscore. And for all my beautiful balances, we're offering $15 off of the checkout when you use the code balance. So much to take away from that. The first thing I want to touch (laughs) on is that web of kind of your pillars. There's two reasons I really, really love that. The first is we all have those days where we feel a little bit lost, where, you know, either traumatic, dramatic or unexpected things pop up that really kind of make you question who you are and what you're doing, if you're any good, if you're on the right path, those days do come up. So by, you know, taking the time now where you might be in lockdown or you might just have a little bit more brain space to do something like this sets up a really nice foundation, like as does the feedback folder, you know, it's just something you can turn to, to just reground yourself on a day where you may be feeling really off. And I've personally found that to be so comforting because it's almost like your happier self or like a more positive version of you at another time in life, speaking to yourself when you most need it. So that's one reason I love that. The second is on this podcast, we talk so much about setting your boundaries, defining what your balance means, all these things. But if you don't know who you are and what you value, you cannot even undertake that exercise at all, like at all. You don't know what you value. How can you set up a boundary to protect that? If you don't know what you enjoy or what makes you feel, you know, relaxed or what what self-care means to you, you can't identify your balance either. And so this process is incredible in the actual process of identifying and owning your own balance. So I love it. I really do. You're absolutely right. I think an example as well, like I recently had um, a fairly senior former colleague call me um, and she was like, okay, I just wanted to run something past you because, you know, you're a good sounding board, blah, blah, blah. 
And I said, well, you know, what is it? And she's like, well, I've been offered this great job and, um, you know, they've come forward and they've offered me this role, but I'm just, you know, I'm not, you know, something is not sitting right with me. And I literally said to her, I was like, have you been looking for other roles? And she said, oh, well, not really. Like they've kind of just approached me on LinkedIn. And I said, so imagine the possibility and the potential when you start looking for roles in terms of the choice that you will have. You won't be shoehorned into this one role because, oh, they approached me first. Mm. Like women get in this headspace of, oh, they've come to me and therefore like I must be super special. But if you then put your male hat on and go, well, what else is out there? Like if these people are approaching me, imagine how many other people would approach me if they knew that I was looking for a role. So Mm. I think like from that, you know, we are our own worst critic. We are our own, um, you know, negative self-talk, even for me now, is still something that I am working on. But the only person that can stop negative self-talk is you because no one else hears it, right? You're not sitting there being like, I'm so dumb, like I'm dumb at my job. You never say that stuff out loud because it sounds stupid. Yes. But when you say it to yourself, you are the only person that can stop you from talking negatively about you. So I think that... For me, in terms of setting those non-negotiables, it's a really clear line, you know, in terms of what you want and what you don't want. And I think for me, that was the kind of key driver in determining that I wanted to open my own business because when I looked at non-negotiables and I looked at what I wanted and I looked at the value that I bring to a business, there was no business that I wanted that had open roles or available roles in the position that I wanted that valued people, that valued experiences. And so I was like, well, why don't I just create my own space? So for me, that was a really key driver in knowing what I wanted, what I didn't want and what I wasn't happy or okay to shift on. Mm. And then that led me to create my business now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And setting the non-negotiables was a big one I recently did in um, looking for a job as well. Like, you know, you have to be prepared to accept what you what you want to settle for as well like because they're really we live in a world there's an abundance of opportunities and like you said you don't have to settle for the first thing that comes your way if it doesn't feel aligned for you because there will be other experiences you know I feel like we get in this headspace where it's like well there'll never be anything like that like same with relationships there'll never be anybody like this person ever again like there absolutely will be you just can't see it because you're in that situation now no, I was going to say, you're absolutely right. Like, especially relationships. I think that, you know, so many people find it's so easy to come up with non-negotiables for relationships and be like, oh, well, if he doesn't, you know, treat me like this or if she doesn't do this or if, you know, they have these non-negotiables when it comes to a relationship. But when it comes to their own career and their own business, they have no non-negotiables, which for me is just crazy because, you know, you wouldn't let a boyfriend talk down to you all the time. I mean, some people do. I've been in relationships that it has, you know, but you shouldn't, right? They're your non-negotiables. You shouldn't let somebody talk down to you all the time. So why would you let an employer continue to talk down to you? And I just really am so interested in the different dynamics of a business relationship and a personal relationship because they're essentially the same. You know, you have a value where you want to be valued as a person. You want people to respect you. You want, you know, you want your hard work to be rewarded or even just acknowledged. 
If you want that in a personal relationship, that should then transfer into a corporate relationship. You know, there are more jobs out there than there are men in the world. So I think that you need to just have, if you don't have that set of non-negotiables with your relationship, you need them. And if you don't have that set of non-negotiables with a career or a business or, you know, corporate, whatever it is, you need them. Like they are so essential. Yeah. And and just off the back of that, like if you're struggling to identify what those within your career might be or what they might look like, maybe look to your relationship and see what ones you've already set for yourself or subconsciously they're already there and then take Mm -hmm. that and apply it. Like if, if you're getting treated in a certain way at work, would you tolerate that in a relationship? And I would add a third dimension to that is, would you tolerate that towards yourself personally, the way you speak to yourself, the way you look after yourself, would you tolerate that? Because I think whether we have sat down and consciously done it or not, we have non-negotiables. It's just about diving in. The only other thing I wanted to add to what we were saying before was this concept of, you know, the thoughts that pop into your head. Just because you have a thought, it does not mean it's true. Like we have this concept that, you know, it's in your head and so it's a source of truth almost. And like I fully, fully feel that. But you do have to remind yourself, like you choose whether to see it as truth or not. It's just a thought. That's it. You know, you don't have to dive deep into it. But I totally agree. I'm so increasingly interested in the similarities between our relationship with self, personal relationships and work relationships and sort of the similarities between, you know, the way we approach so many things, our our level of respect, our boundaries, et cetera. Like I think there's a really nice interplay between them all, which, you know, then come and underpin your whole idea of balance as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, I work with a confidence coach and she's amazing. Her name is Isabel and I'm happy to share her details because I think that anyone that struggles with negative self-talk, negative like inner critic is what she calls it in terms of like your own Yeah, you're in a bitch. Um, And she can be awful sometimes. And I think that, you know, she talks about this concept of the fact that we um, create and establish all of our values and our thoughts in terms of ourself and you know how we perceive ourselves and things like that by seven years old wow right so at seven years old we then increasingly build on that the older that we get right so for example if you've had this thought you know around the fact that oh I'm you know overweight or I'm too fat or I need to lose weight Every time you only look for those things that are going to validate that, you're not going to look for the things that are going to tell you otherwise, right? When you've got that negative self-talk going on, you're going to be like, yeah, we'll see, like this person called me fat like 10 years ago, like this person. You find all of those things that help you validate it when actually there are more things to show you that it doesn't exist and it's not valid. Um, but you're choosing to look at the things that are going to validate it because it's going to make you feel as though you've succeeded. And I think that people, you know, don't like procrastinating. We don't like procrastinating. We don't like failing. And procrastination essentially is the fear of failing because Mm. you don't want to start because you're scared of actually finishing it or completing it or doing it right or doing it well. That's why we procrastinate. So I think that the biggest thing you can do is look at a way in which you're talking to yourself and instead of finding, you know, a validating thought around, you know, I am too fat or I'm not good at my job or, you know, all of those things, find something that changes that. And so I've done a a lot of work with Isabel around 
changing that limiting belief. Mm. So a belief around the fact that I might not be good at my job or what happens if people don't want to work with me to changing that and acknowledging three empowering beliefs that come from it. So instead of saying, I'm, you know, what if people don't want to work with me? I've then got three kind of empowering beliefs that are like, I'm okay if people don't want to work with me, it's not meant to be, you know, um, if people don't want to work with me, then they're not the right fit. And also the fact that I will accept the fact that there are going to be people that don't want to work with me for whatever reason, but that doesn't define who I am. And I think that they're the three then, and you can do that exercise anywhere. I'm sure she won't mind me sharing it with people, but I think that, you know, so many times we can get caught up in our own head where we say, you know, you have this limiting belief that is stopping you from taking that next step or, you know, taking a chance. Whereas if you just change the way in which that limiting belief is worded and then say the empowering beliefs out loud, changes your whole perception on how you view things. Yeah, I love that. And I think we'll have to do a whole separate episode on limiting beliefs because they are they, ha- they can have such an immense impact in our lives. But I think as just a starting point, that's a really nice way to look at it. You know, like look at a thought that you feel like you want to challenge or that you don't want to identify with or that you don't want to form a part of your pillars. You know, it's kind of in the way of you getting to who you really are or you don't want it to form a part of your personal brand, a great a great starting place would be to just think what are three empowering beliefs I can replace that with. So I really love that you've shared that. Um, You'll have to give it Isabella on. She's amazing. She oh, will change, yes. You'll change have to give me her details after. Yeah. <laughs> now I wanted to move on. I saw you um, do a post the other week and I was really intrigued by the caption and I guess what it had to offer. I'm just going to read a little snippet of it. It oh, said, yeah. Which one? <laughs> don't worry. It was a good one. Okay. <laughs> loving your body and not punishing it for what you ate or didn't do. So that's basically the gist of it. So you love your body and you don't punish it for what you did or didn't do, what you did or Mm -hmm. didn't eat. And I love this because it's more in the field of celebrating our bodies rather than like having this guilt around it. It's kind of like finding, I've kind of read it as like, just find that nice equilibrium with your body and I think it's so easy to focus on those negative things, that guilt. So I just want to know, I guess, in your experience, in your health journey, and I guess just everything that went into that caption, how do you sort of break that and celebrate your body? It's hard and it's a long process. Um, It's something that I am still working on, um, but I'm so much more conscious of now than I've ever been before. And I think it comes back to being conscious of what you're saying to yourself. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, just when you have that negative thought come into your head, don't even acknowledge it and just go, no, that's negative thought. We're moving on. We're not having this conversation, right? Like, no, not going to give you the time of day to even dwell on that thought. And I think for me, a big part of it, you know, especially during lockdown, especially where you have those long periods of time where you are sitting at home on your own or you don't have a social schedule or anything like that, that can kind of, you know, I always say the busier the person is, the more internal problems they have to work through because they keep themselves busy to stop their internal chatter going on, right? I used to fill my schedule jam-packed, like friend, walk, coffee, beach, like literally jam it full with people every weekend, every evening because I hated the thought of sitting with my own thoughts Mm. because they were all negative, right? Whereas now I couldn't think of anything better than just sitting, reading on my own, just sitting, just taking the world in, 
on my own, in my own head, because I like living in it now. But I think that um, it takes time. It's taken me, you know, a solid five years to change that thinking. I also think with my own journey, because I have come from a space where I've lost a lot of weight, there was a big mentality around you're exercising to get to a certain weight or change the way in which you look. Whereas now that I'm happy with how I look, it's more around moving for how I feel and moving for my mental health. So it's not necessarily around getting that certain aesthetic. It's more around, yeah, looking after myself and just, you know, being grateful the fact that you can move. I think for me, it's not so much around exercise and things like that anymore. It's just, I have this um, saying, which is movement over intensity. If you can like prioritize movement every single day, it doesn't matter if you're getting up and stretching for half an hour. Like Monday, I did no exercise. I went for a swim and I did a half hour stretching thing with my partner. Like literally like no exercise. And normally that would have eaten me up being like, oh, I did Christmas in July on Sunday and we ate a lot of food and Monday I should get up and go for a big run. Why? It's like one bad day of eating is not going to make you gain 500 kilos in the same way that one salad isn't going to make you lose weight. Like I just think that a lot of people can get in the habit of going, oh, I ate really poorly and therefore I need to burn it off. And I think the fitness industry has a role or has a major role in blasting that message out to people in terms of, you You know, did you much over Christmas or, you know, even it's my worst like nightmare hearing trainers if I'm on a walk being like, burn off that Christmas dinner. And I'm like, oh, like you are the reason that these women have a bad relationship with food and exercise, right? If you as a PT were screaming out, celebrate your body, look at how fast you're running, like all of those positive things, imagine how those people and women especially are going to feel about themselves. So I think that we need to move away from the idea of training or exercising because we've eaten a certain amount or we've overeaten or whatever because not only will you not enjoy exercising, Mm you will hate it and you will only ever associate exercise with bad eating, yeah. right? It becomes like so a punishment. It, it's awful. And you're, you you look at yourself and you go, oh, I've got to go and run, but you don't want to run because you're tired and you might be run down and you've overeaten yesterday. So therefore you're probably a lot more full than you would normally be. And then you're going to push yourself to go on a run, which is going to make you feel even more shit. Counterintuitive. So I just think that it's this vicious cycle. So I think that, you know, it is a work in progress. It's not going to happen overnight. But the sooner that we can kind of go, you know, I ran a class this morning and it was a slower, like less impactful class. So it was a lot of Pilates, like mat-based inspired stuff. And we do it on Thursdays because everyone on Thursdays, I call it sleepy Thursdays because everyone's kind of like, it's not yet Friday. It's kind of somewhat the middle of the week, but it's not the middle of the week. It's not close enough to Monday. It's sleepy <laughs> Thursday. So for me, Thursdays is where people are sore. They're kind of, oh, I'm a little bit tired. I've not woken up like on the right side of the bed or in the right mindset. So Thursdays we do a slower class, less impactful, still, uh, you know, sweaty workout, but most of it's on the mat. 
And for me, it's not around going the hardest or being the fastest or, you know, doing the most intense workout. It is literally just focused on moving your body for 45 minutes. And I think that for me, the positive associations of just going, okay, well, I don't need to achieve anything from this. I don't need to burn X amount of calories. I don't need to, you know, run 12 kilometers to make sure that I've burned off the same amount of calories that my dessert was last night. It is going, hey, I'm feeling really good. I'm going to go for a long run because my body feels great. Yeah. Right. Or, hey, I'm not feeling great, but I know that if I move my body in some capacity, I'm going to feel better. And therefore, I'm going to potentially, you know, do a slow moving stretch sequence or a, you know, Pilates inspired floor mat routine that can help me kind of feel good about myself, but not have to exert myself so much. And I think that, yeah, it's a slow process, but, um, you know, every day I'm, I have to call myself out on it. I think that if you don't call yourself out on your negative self-talk, then you won't achieve anything in life because, as I said, you're the only person that can, um, you know, even we did Christmas in July on Sunday and I was like, oh, my gosh, so much food. Um <laughs> And I literally crawled into bed and I was like, don't touch me. Like, I just need to lie here until tomorrow. (laughs) But the next day I was like, oh, I should really go for a long walk. Like we ate a lot of, and I had to snap myself out of it. I was like, no, you train every single day, except for Sunday and Monday, they are your two days off. Like chill. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go for a nice swim stretch. And that's it. And I think that, yeah, you have to call yourself out on that. Absolutely. And I think this is a really nice full circle loop back to when we were talking about our web of values and who we are. And just if you have your why and your values, it really does help in moments like this, again, where you're feeling a little bit shaken and a little bit off. So if you're, you know, like you said, let's just use your example that you said, you're the kind of person who who loves to help people. And so because you move your body, you feel your best and are therefore able to help people. If you're feeling crappy and you move your body, you're going to have less energy and less capacity to help people. So again, like identifying those pillars that ground you will also help with this negative self-talk, I personally feel, and really help shift the conversation from one of guilt of what you did or didn't do and one to celebrate or honour what's going to fill you and give you the most energy to, to be your most authentic self, to live in alignment with your personal brand, you know, whether that is through exercise and food, whether it is through the value you have to give through your work or just who you are in a relationship. Like I do think that think that everything we've spoken about today does really come full circle in underpinning something as practical as this. So yeah, totally. love everything you shared. I think the biggest thing as well, just adding to that, I think you're so right. I think so, you know, the negative self-talk has the ability to infiltrate every single part of your life. If you sit there and talk negatively to yourself, it'll impact your work, it'll impact your career, it'll impact your relationships, your friendships, everything. Because if you don't feel good about yourself, no one else around you is going to feel that those positive vibes. And it might not be something that you are overtly putting out to the world, but if you don't feel good about yourself, I know that in previous jobs, I've blamed my relationships for not being happy. Yes, my relationships weren't great, let's be honest. But in the same sense, I was holding on to a relationship 
that wasn't serving me because work wasn't serving me, but I couldn't control work. I could control that situation with my relationship. So for me, it has a knock-on effect to how I treat other people around me, how I feel about my work, my personal life, you know, my body, everything. So I think that the moment that we can start kind of changing those negative thoughts and those negative beliefs into something that serves you, um, the better you'll be for it. Absolutely. And as we said before, it's probably more likely that you'll find commonalities with your boundaries and how you show up in your career, in your relationships and you towards yourself. So I guess like back to that whole point of are you struggling with the guilt or the celebration of your body? Have a look at what boundaries you have with your relationships and your work. And if you don't have any, then that's probably why you might be feeding into this guilt loop. You know what I mean? But in saying that, I do want to acknowledge that those thoughts do still come up. Like you said, you still grapple with them. And I would say I have a really strong relationship with my idea of healthy, but that doesn't mean I'm not prone to negative self-talk and like body image concerns and things like that. But it is just about the awareness piece and just bringing yourself back down when, you know, you feel like those things are there. And that's why I love that personal branding web almost. Um, And I'm looking forward to your workshops too, because I think that that combined like can give you just such a strong foundation that you can turn to because those bad days and those ugly thoughts and stuff will come but yeah having that as a base I think is awesome and I think that this is such a lovely place to finish our conversation even though I know you and I could chat for days and days and days (laughs) again it probably won't be the last time you're on the podcast but every time you come on we have such a good chat I know everyone would have gotten so much out of today so for anyone listening again the workshop will be tomorrow July the 9th 10th 10th. and next Tuesday as well. So I'll pop links to that below. But if people want to connect with you, maybe have a chat about professionally working with you as well, where are the best places they can sort of reach out? And I'll pop links in the show notes as well. Totally. Um, for people to contact me is through either my Instagram. I have my personal Instagram, which is a public profile as well. So I have Hayley Westerby, but I also have my own business um, Instagram, which is Hayley Westerby Marketing that has a whole heap of insights, tips, actionable um, Great reels. You know, tricks, <laughs> tricks and reels um, to help you with um, building your own personal brand or any kind of marketing um, advice. And then also obviously on LinkedIn, um, just Hayley Westy is where I share a lot of my, you know, insights, marketing content, but also just um, the stuff that I'm interested in um, when it comes to work. So that's where you can find me. Beautiful. She does live on the internet, so you'll find her somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again so much for your time. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the next year brings for you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. Stop, stop, stop.